You know, I don't like to think I'm superstitious, but I definitely believe in jinxing. Why would that be? So you know how I picked Warenka to be the winner of the Australian Open this year? Oh yeah, but he lost to Martin Fuchsiewicz yesterday. And I can tell you exactly why. Earlier that day, I saw a video of a cat that makes match predictions based off of what bowl he chooses to eat from, and that sneaky feline chose Martin over Stan. Unbelievable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravya. Shravi and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics, united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So today is February 11th, also known as Neil Medvedev's birthday. Yeah, that's a pretty big day today then. I mean, I definitely owe him a lot because he won the Neo ATP Finals for me after I predicted him the winner, and I know he has some favors to do for you, too. Yeah, I've picked him for my Australian Open winner, so hopefully he can pull through with that. But, you know, not only is it Daniels Medvedev's birthday today, but we're kind of trying something new with our podcast for this episode. Yeah, this time difference dilemma has definitely added some spice to our daily schedules. I mean, I just snuck away to the boys' locker room, which is technically closed for use right now, to record. Yeah, this is the first time that we're doing a mid-school day recording session, because this is the first Grand Slam we've actually covered while the school year was going on. The French Open didn't really count, because that was more at the beginning of the school year, and we didn't have as much homework as we do now, but... This is the reality of being high school podcasters covering tennis. But to jump right into a couple of hot headlines before we get into the tennis talk. First of all, Caroline Wozniacki announced that she is going uh, to be having a baby. And she's expecting a baby girl in June of this year. So that is very exciting. And then we also have some uh, happy news from another WTA star. Yeah, I mean, Naomi Osaka and her current boyfriend, Corday, I think he's a he's a musician, definitely. Um, they made the cover of the GQ magazine, and let me tell you, their um, photo shoot was just, like, everything. I mean, Osaka posted, like, a huge montage of the photos they used, and they were, they were just iconic. They made the cover of the Modern Lovers issue of the magazine for March of 2021, and also they had this little video thing, like a little um, event, like a virtual event kind of for the magazine where they did a quiz and relationship questions and they were just really funny. Yeah, it was definitely timely for Valentine's Day, but um, I really, that was a very fun video to watch. But those are a few hot headlines, but not to fret, we also have a lot of tennis to cover too. So... This episode is obviously our round two recap slash uh, third round preview, and kind of like we did with round one where we had a match of the round, we've also picked a match of the round for this round as well, except there was a lot of exciting action, so there's both a WTA match of the round and an ATP match of the round. 
So our WTA match of the round was actually one you might not have heard as much about as maybe it would have gotten coverage for, but Isla Tomljanovic versus the second seed Simona Halep. So this was one of our tiebreaker picks, if you remember. So although I was wrong about the winner because Simona did end up winning, this was definitely a very close and very high quality match. It got a bit overshadowed by the Kyrgios match, which we're going to talk about in a little bit because they were going on kind of around the same time. But nonetheless, this was a very good match. So Simona Halep, who we know as the 2018 Australian Open finalist and last year's semi-finalist, actually took the win. 4-6-6-4-7-5. And to give you a sense of how close it was, Tom Yanovic won 109 points, while Halep won 115 points throughout the whole match. So six points determined the difference in this match. Um... And we kind of talked about this last time, but Isla has always been a challenging matchup for Simona Halep. And she nearly had the match because Tomjanovic was up 5-2 in the third set and then lost the next five games, which is brutal. Um, And, you know, she said in her post-match press conference, it's hard, very hard to talk about it right now and see any sort of positives. All I wanted to do is just get a win in any way, even if it was the worst tennis ever. I think that's my emotions speaking now. I know it was a high-level match, but in the end, I lost. So definitely a stinging loss for Tomjanovic. But um, on the other hand, it was a great fight from Halep. I mean, um, looking ahead for Simona Halep in this tournament, I don't think people are talking about her as much as a favorite when compared to Naomi Osaka or Ash Barty. But... um, you know, to dive into that, if we take a look at her draw, she does have a few challenging players in her way. She faces uh, Kudermatova next, who we know can pull off a few upsets, possibly Iga Swiatek in the round of 16. And then in the quarterfinals, either Serena or Sabalenka most likely. So those are tough players, but we can't really discount her from being a contender for this title because, I mean, as we know, uh, she she's always a fighter on the court, especially in the Grand Slams, and she showcased that in her match versus Tomjanovic. So um, definitely still keeping an eye on her. Um, so as we said, she's gonna face Kudermatova in the next round, who you know reached the finals of Abu Dhabi just last month. So that'll be a tough match, but um, this was definitely an exciting, um, the most exciting match of the round on the WTA side. Yeah, I mean, as we move forward into, like, the deeper rounds of the Australian Open, I feel like the stakes become higher, so the matches definitely make up for that, and they're so much more interesting. And we also have for the ATP side, Hugo Humbert, the 29th seed, versus Nick Kyrgios. This was a Grand Slam match. Like, this is one of those matches that can only happen at a Grand Slam, not only because of the five-set score, but just, like, the stakes of it and just the interest in the crowd. Like, the energy is just awesome. Um, the score was 5-7-6-4-3-6-7-6-6-4 in Kyrgios' favor. Kyrgios came back from two sets down, and he saved two match points in the fourth set. In the first sets, Kyrgios was frustrated by a faulty net cord that determines whether the serves are in or out, and Kyrgios said, turn it off, bro. It's this high off the net. I'm not playing until you turn it off. Even on his serve, it's up this far. It's not just my serve. So definitely some some signature Kyrgios moments there, but he got over it, and he was able to raise his level, which is... I think the way that he did this, that's the reason people believe that he has the potential to be one of the best players in the world. He just has that other side of him that kind of 
it doesn't really hinder his performance. It's part of him, his like how he plays, but it's definitely something that doesn't help as he's trying to get better results. So Umbert was serving for the match at 4-5 in the fourth set, which is where he obtained and lost those two match points. And then Kyrgios then took the set with ease in the tiebreak and won the match with the last set. So when he won, Kyrgios fell to the ground. This was a great moment, and we saw how much he truly cares for the sport. And post-match, in the post-match press conference, Kyrgios said, it was a crazy one. I've been a part of many matches, and this one is the match and that I'm still kind of in awe about. And Kyrgios is set to play 2020 US Open champ Dominic Thiem on Friday, so that's definitely going to be a showstopper. Um, now to kind of give you a sense of how the top seeds are doing, we're going to do a new kind of segment. We're going to call this the level check. Josephine actually came up with this yesterday. So we're going to check in on either the top seeds or the favorites for the tournament currently and kind of just, you know, see how they're going, how their level is, what their draw looks like going forward, and, you know, how they're shaping up to our um, predictions and hopes for them for this tournament. So, to start with top seed and defending champion Novak Djokovic, um, he had a pretty breezy first round match, but then actually he faced a four setter versus Francis Tiafo in round two, which was a great effort from the American. There were two tiebreakers. He took one of those sets, um, and so that was definitely a good fight from him. And then Djokovic is now going to face another American, Taylor Fritz, who um, he leads in their head-to-head 2-0, on, but both of those matches have been on clay. But also, Taylor Fritz has just come from a really exhausting five-set match versus Riley Opelka. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether he has a lot left in the tank or not. Looking ahead, though, um, assuming that Djokovic you know, gets through this, which I think he definitely has a shot of doing, um, he's probably or possibly facing Milos Raonic in the round of 16, and then a potential Zverev quarterfinal, as we noted in our preview episode. So... I mean, Djokovic being the, you know, king of the Australian Open as he is, the world number one, been the dominant player for a while now. There's no, you know, significant threats to him in his quarter, but once we look ahead through to the semifinals, he could face Dominic Thiem, who did beat him at uh, Nito. Um, But, you know, things are looking pretty solid for Novak Djokovic, I would say. And then the second seed, we have Rafael Nadal, who has not dropped a set yet or been broken in this tournament. And he handed a breadstick to each one of his opponents, possibly dipped in Vegemite. That's a little joke I added there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and his opponents were Laszlo Jure and Michael Moe. And Moe not only made it through qualifying, I just thought he was worth mentioning because... I mean, this was really a story. He also had just played a five-setter against a fellow qualifier, so obviously that's, like, physically stressing and added to his loss, but still definitely a great fight from him. And Nadal's opponent in round three coming up is British number one Cameron Norrie. Nope, he's not the British number one. That is false. (laughs) Anyways, he's British. And... Um, I mean, Cameron was not really at his higher levels in the round two match because we know that he's like a player that's, um, he's like, what's it, what am I trying to say? He's potential, he has potential for upsets. Like, he's one of those players that has their moments and can definitely play hard in those moments. So 
definitely someone to watch out for, but considering their level, like I said, like in this level check, Rafael Nadal is playing some great tennis, and compared to what Cameron Norrie is playing right now, definitely the odds are way in Nadal's favor. And then looking forward into the draw, we have a possible Tsitsipas Nadal quarterfinal. Nadal leads their head-to-head significantly, but either way, I mean, Tsitsipas has definitely climbed up in the rankings these past three years, I want to say. So maybe he'll make of a better opponent towards Nadal. And that's just the quarter, but within the half, Nadal's biggest threat is definitely Medvedev. I mean, Medvedev won their most recent clash last November in Nito. And then we also remember that five-setter U.S. Open final in 2019. So these are definitely things to consider as we move forward into the draw. Uh, the next seed is seed slash favorite would be Dominic Team, the number third seed. He has not yet dropped a set and even served up a bagel um, already. And next up for him is Nick Kyrgios, which we mentioned just earlier. So as Josephine was saying, as we've been saying a lot over the past couple of episodes during the Australian Open, Nick Kyrgios is someone who time and time again has proven that he rises to the big stage for the crowd, um, for the occasion, and is a real threat to the top seeds. But, um, you know, Dominic Team, on the other hand, not only, you know, has he not had to go through as long of a five-set match going into this as Nick Kyrgios has had, but Dominic Team is, you know, a top-ranked player in his own right. He knows how to handle the pressure. Um, he knows how to face it when the crowd might be totally in Nick Kyrgios's favor. So definitely have faith in Dominic Team to get through this match. But again, we could see an upset. Um, and it's not really that Team's level is you know in any way poor he just has a very challenging draw so you know there's a lot of upset potential going forward even beyond just this third round match versus nick because in the round of 16 he could be playing either pablo carini busto or grigor dimitrov um who have you know always been threats to a lot of tops uh, higher ranked seeds because they're top seeds in their own right but um so that'll also be interesting so again it's not really that dominic team is playing poorly whatsoever he just has a very challenging section of the draw but you know he's a grand slam champion in his own right reached the finals of nito i also think that dominic team fans can have faith that he can get through it and then finally, we have Daniil Medvedev, the fourth seed, also the birthday guy. We mentioned that before. Um, Medvedev has gotten past two opponents that would have been difficult for any slightly lower-ranked player. I mean, Carbias Baena upset Feliciano Lopez in the first round of the U.S. Open and Shapovalov in the second round of the French Open last year. So definitely a player who's not at the bottom of their game. And then we also have Vashik Pospisil, who upset plenty of top names in a variety of tournaments last year, including Shabavalov, Goffin, even Medvedev himself, um, Felix Auger-Aliassim, and he made a round of 16 appearance at the U.S. Open. Um, Medvedev's next opponent is Filip Krajinovic, definitely a formidable player, but someone Medvedev can probably handle. And also, Medvedev is on a 16-match winning streak. So if we're going to talk about momentum, he has it. And his quarter is improving to provide him much trouble, except for a potential match against fellow Russian and former ATP Cup teammate Rublev in the quarterfinals. But either way, their head-to-head is Medvedev leading 3-0. to So definitely a very open draw for his section. 
As for the WTA, we're going to also be level checking four players, with the first one being Ash Barty, the world number one. So she's on fire. We've been talking about this for the for the past couple weeks um, because, you know, there was a lot of question marks surrounding her return. She hasn't played in nearly a year, but, you know, she's looking really, really in form. She uh, defeated fellow Australian Daria Garbalova in round two. The first set was a breadstick. But there was a close tie break in the second set, um, but Bowardy came through with that. She does face some more difficult opponents next. Alexandrova in the third round, who we've talked about a lot. And then the winner of Contivate and Shelby Rogers in the round of 16. And then even further than that, a possible quarterfinal versus Pliskova or Mertens. But she leads the head-to-head um against both Pliskova and Mertens. So, you know, we talked about this in our preview, but I would say that Along with Naomi Osaka, she is one of the top contenders for this title. I would put the two of them kind of front and center for Australian Open um, WTA contenders. And looking at her draw and given her level, I I would be pretty confident that she can get through to the uh, through the quarterfinals um, because she does have that capability to beat Mertens and Pliskova. And then the bottom quarter in her half is also pretty wide open, which is Svitolina's quarter. There's a lot of dark horses there, like Kanepi, Pagula, Mladenovic, um, and Svitolina herself, uh, who's not really a dark horse. But realistically, I think Barty has the capability of taking them on and really making the finals here because she is the clear favorite in her half, not just by her ranking, but judging on her performance and just the real realistic um, like outlook on her draw. And then we have Simona Halep, the second seed. We already talked about her a little bit um, in the match of the round versus Tomljanovic. But the last we saw her at a Grand Slam was the French Open, where she was going in as the clear favorite to win the title. But she was upset by Iga Sviatek, the eventual champion. And also before that, she didn't play the U.S. Open. So basically, we really haven't seen that much of Halep recently. So that's why it's kind of difficult to, you know determine how she's going to do farther as as we move farther into this one um and she lost pretty early in those tune-up tournaments like those warm-up tournaments we had leading up to the Australian Open so even like looking before like before the COVID hiatus she was definitely one of the dominant players on tour basically at the top of her game and there's no signs of that form slipping so far, so we shouldn't count her out just yet. I guess it's just that she, um, she, we haven't seen much of her. That's why she's not being talked about as much. I mean, Naomi Osaka just won the U.S. Open, but we've, and then also we've seen Ash Barty, even though she's been also on a huge break. She won the Yar Valley Classic literally last week. So definitely momentum from there and something we can count on as we look for results in this tournament. However, given the faster courts and players like Vardy and Osaka, who we just mentioned, and who have more recent and immediate success, we would put her notch uh, below them in terms of favorites to win the title. Yeah, her being Hala because, you know, we have a couple more top contenders with Barty and Osaka, who we're going to go into now. Naomi Osaka is looking as dominant as ever. She has a very tricky draw, which we kind of talked a little bit about in our AO preview episode, so we're going to kind of uh, digest that a little bit. She's already had to face two top-level opponents in Paul Diachenkova and Caroline Garcia in the first two rounds, and she made quick work of them. She faces Owens Jabor next, and then possibly Muguruza in the round of 16. And then after that, 
Um, she would either have a potential semifinal versus Sabalenka, Serena Williams, or Simona Halep, which would probably be a greater challenge than getting through her quarters. So this is all sounding very challenging, but Naomi's form has literally not dropped since the U.S. Open. She said that she worked a lot on her return game over the offseason, too, so she certainly has her eyes set on upping her game for this title, and I think she certainly sees herself um, in contention for it. So that's why I think that even though she has one of the most difficult sections of the draw, she kind of said this going into the Australian Open, that she knows that she does, has this difficult section, but she's kind of excited to play those people. I think her attitude and her game make this not really a problem for her as we saw at the U.S. Open. So I that's why I have full confidence in her ability to get through this to the semifinals and honestly even to the finals based on her level and this insane winning streak that she has. Um, because, you know, she's shown time and time again that her game is in top form, top shape, and she can take out these top players. So we might even be able to see maybe an Ash Barty versus Naomi Osaka final. Although, while Osaka certainly does have this potential, there is another uh, favorite, probably the fourth favorite, um, to win this tournament, Serena Williams, in her same half. And this is the same half as not only Osaka, but also Simona Halep. And Serena is actually also in Halep's quarter. So Serena has looked great, improved movement. Her She seems to be pretty injury-free. But, you know, the real challenges are going to come as she, you know, is going to face some more seeded players. So she's going to face either Sabalenka or Anne Lee in the round of 16, who are both very much in form at the moment. A possible quarterfinal versus Shuantek or Halep. And then she would probably take on Naomi in the semifinals if Serena should get that far. So I would say out of the four, these four players, it's looking the most difficult for Serena um, consider to get to the title given her really difficult path to the final. But that's not to say that she can't do it. Um, you know, it's difficult to tell how she'll fare in the next two rounds because she's had pretty uh, easy opponents so far. But... Let's not forget that at the U.S. Open, she was a huge force to be reckoned with. I think she really surprised us, especially after kind of the matches she had at the Western and Southern Open. And she nearly made the final because she could have won that semifinal match versus Azarenka. So there's certainly a lot more question marks around Serena than around Barty and Osaka. But again, don't count her out because, you know, as is the case with Simona Halep, this quarter of the draw where Halep is in, is really where we want to keep an eye on, especially considering that the person who's going to emerge from that is probably going to face Naomi Osaka in the semifinals. All right, so that's the top seeds. We're now going to go into the dark horses or other threats in each of the draws. We're going to start with the WTA one this time. Um, and as we were discussing about Ash Barty, that top half of the draw, it's pretty wide open. So Ash Barty is looking in good shape to make the finals given her half. Obviously, we don't want to speak too soon, but she definitely is a strong contender for that. Uh, the question is, is which other players in that half are going to make breakthroughs, you know, especially in Alina Svitolina's quarter, which we talked about in our preview episode as well. So, Josefina, tell us about a few players in that top half, specifically the Svitolina quarter of the draw, who really do have a chance to also make a deep run. Yeah, I mean, first up, we have Jennifer Brady, and she really showed that she can bring it at a slam level at the U.S. Open, and I mean, that's really when I became a huge fan of her, and I started looking out for her, um, and her quarter is Svitolina's quarter, like we just said, and it's looking pretty 
good for her. She could definitely make quarterfinals, even possibly beat Svitolina on the way or whomever, whomever to make the semis. And after Barty, um, we would put her as one of the next strongest players in this half of the draw, considering her recent success at the hardcourt Grand Slams. And we also have Jessica Pagula here, who faces Mladenovic next. She upset Azarenka earlier, so it could potentially be a challenge for Svitolina's path to the quarterfinals. Definitely a contender here because of her upset potential that she showed earlier in the tournament. And then we have Alina Svitolina herself, obviously the top seed in this quarter, who just beat Coco Goff, and she's looking pretty solid. We're hoping that she can go deep and that we see a potential Brady versus Svitolina quarterfinal, unless Brady gets there. Yeah. Um, so in the bottom half of the draw, um, there's also a few informed players. Uh, this is the Simona Halep section, uh, well, Simona Halep half. Uh, so first up, we've got Anne Lee and Sabalenka. They're going to face off against each other um, in the third round. As we know, Anne Lee is on fire. She just beat Shuai Zhang and Elise Cornet back-to-back, two very um, tricky players. And she's, as we just said, going to face Arena Sabalenka. So the winner of this match is going to be a key player to watch in this section of the draw because they will likely play Serena in the round of 16. So this is definitely going to be a nice match to watch. And then there's also a bunch of people in the top portion of the bottom half. And kind of people you wouldn't expect to make the quarterfinals, but one of them will make the quarterfinals. So we have Shea Su Wei, Sara Arani, Marketa Vondrosova, and Sarana Kristea. Uh, so one of them is going to reach the quarterfinals, which is pretty exciting. So um, that'll be an interesting section also to see who emerges from there. And then we have Garbina Muguruza, last year's finalist, who could face Naomi Osaka in the round of 16, which will be a difficult match for both players, but definitely a very entertaining one. And Muguruza is very unpredictable. I mean, she had a great week last week, so we'll see how she performs in the third round. And then we have Iga Sviatek, who could face Halep in the round of 16 and then reach the quarterfinals, potentially play a match versus Williams. So flying a bit under the radar because of her loss last week, but she seems to be doing pretty well in her first Grand Slam since her French Open win. So definitely not someone to count out either. And then we move into the ATP dark horses and kind of biggest threats to the larger um, or um, higher seeds. So in Djokovic's quarter, the most likely player to dethrone the king of the Australian Open is unfortunately Alexander Zverev, the sixth seed. This wouldn't really be that shocking of an upset if it happens, considering not only Zverev's ranking, but their match just a couple weeks ago at the ATP Cup. But this would definitely open up the field quite a bit because... For Djokovic to get through past the quarterfinals, he'll be very difficult to beat. But if Zverev is able to take care of him, I would say it's easier to beat someone like Alexander Zverev in a later stage of a slam than it is to beat someone like Novak Djokovic. No question about that. But um, really the main point is that the main threat for Djokovic in his section is Alexander Zverev at the quarterfinals. I feel like there it would be more of a matter of experience, definitely, as we move later into later rounds of the Grand Slam. And then we have Team's quarter. His very next threat is Nick Kyrgios, who we've talked about quite a bit already. And if, if, possibly big if, 
Dominic passes that third round test, Denis Shapovalov might be right next up. So Shapovalov has definitely seen some success and attention recently with his first round match win versus Sinner and then second round match versus Bernard Tomic. But that's just in this tournament. Before that, his last significant feat was making the US Open quarterfinals and after that, he kind of flopped. So maybe hardcore grand slams are his thing and that's why we see him do better now. Either way, definitely somebody to look out for considering how he's playing right now. And even Pablo Carreño Busta could turn out to be a threat in this quarter because he's the one that took out Shapovalov at the U.S. Open quarterfinals in the first place. So we'll see how far he gets. All right, so the next person is Daniil Medvedev. In his quarter, as we said, the largest threat there is Andrei Rublev. But then again, he would only be facing him at the quarterfinals should they both get there. And his head-to-head is pretty strong against Rublev anyways. Um, I mean, the thing about Rublev is is obviously he has the potential to really make it deep here. He had so much success last year. Did I just say he had so much sex last year? That was a, (laughs) that was, I meant to say success but I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Anyway, he's had so much success in 2020, you know, was really the breakthrough star of that season. Um, And as we said in our preview, the question is, can Rublev bring this level at the slam? So we'll see how that plays out as well. And then finally, we have Nadal's quarter. And It'll be on the more likely side that Rafael Nadal gets past the British Cameron Nori, So, but like the next match after that won't be as easy. Nadal would have to face the winner of a Fognini versus Deminor match. Both would prove to be tough opponents because Fognini has been on the tour for a while, so he has that big match experience, and he's been known to rival top players. So definitely a danger there. And then Alex Deminor is coming off of two straight set wins against players people expected him to give some, to give him some trouble. So obviously he can handle the pressure. And also he has that recent title in Antalya, pro- providing some confidence going into this. And then finally we have little person that Shravi likes to talk about a bit here so apparently there's an unspoken mandate that Bertini must be mentioned in every episode so let's keep going with that and say that he could prove to be a threat to Nadal I mean Bertini has defeated some really tough opponents in the past month I mean Kevin Anderson the U.S. Open finalist he was taken out by him in three sets in the first round and then at the ATP Cup a couple of weeks ago, Matteo upset Dominic Thiem. Like, that's not a small feat, and that should not be forgotten so easily. So Berrettini has proven he has upset potential, so Nadal better watch out. All right, so now we're going to discuss some notable matches and upsets that have happened in the second round so far, starting off with the ATP results. So the first upset that I think everyone was talking about on, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday was Marton Fuchsiewicz defeating Stanislas Wawrinka. So the score was 7-5, 6-1, 4-6, 2-6, and then 7-6. Now, not only was Fuchsiewicz first up two sets to love, then Wawrinka fought back to level it to two sets all, but Wawrinka was also up 6-1 in the final set tiebreak. And just to remind you, the Australian Open plays the fifth set tiebreak to 10 points, not 7 and then Wawrinka also had three match points. So that is definitely painful. Josefina, how does it feel for your, your hope of this tournament to have bowed out this way? Um, it's definitely 
super painful because he did have those three match points. He definitely had a chance. It wasn't like he... Uh, and it was in the fifth set, too. Uh, yeah, it was on his racket, and then... Yeah. You know, it just didn't work out. He couldn't but, hold on to his racket. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking ahead for Fuchsovic, he has played two five-set matches back-to-back and spent over eight hours on court already. Um, and he also said that he feels exhausted, so he's going to play Raonic next, which could be really interesting, but it all depends on how much Fuchsovic has left in the tank. Our next notable match was Stefano Tsitsipas uh, defeating Tanasi Kokonakis, 6-7-6-4-6-1-6-7-6-4, so another five-setter. wasn't really an upset because Tsitsipas did end up winning, but nevertheless a very exciting match, and this was actually one of our tiebreakers in the last episode too. I think that the main takeaway from this is not only awesome that Tsitsipas was able to hang in there and fight through, which he said he was proud of doing in his press conference, but it's also so awesome to see Tanasi Kokonakis playing at this level again. Um, and I have to say, people on Twitter were actually saying this too, for that outfit being like an outfit he bought from Kmart, Kmart. <laughs> it was pretty good. Like He was looking really good on court. I really liked that outfit. I think just the fact that he came back after so long and he stretched Stefano Tsitsipas to five sets. And like they weren't even... They weren't even short sets, like 6-3, 6-2, 6-4. They were full, like, tiebreakers. Most of them, some of them ended in tiebreakers. So definitely rivaled the fifth seed here. Next up, we have Feliciano Lopez defeating Lorenzo Sonego, the 31st seed. Feliciano Lopez is 39 years old now, and he's still going strong at the Grand Slams. He came from two sets down to win five seven three six six three seven five six four and from twitter a user at luca beck said lopez is the oldest player to win a grand slam match from two sets to love down since 1974 wimbledon where ken rosewall defeated stan smith so definitely some legendary and kind of historic stuff there because to see somebody at this age still playing at the top of their game and being able to go farther into grand slams is definitely promising for players like roger federer who we're gonna see in a while or in a bit i meant um and then going on to the next little section we have wta notable matches and upsets starting with carolina pliskova the sixth seed defeating daniel collins seven five six two so this was not an upset but it was kind of supposed to be so i guess it's an upset (laughs) upset (laughs) because we did expect i believe in the tiebreaker we chose collins to win this one Mm -hmm. because yeah because collins had beaten her just last week exactly and then i don't know pliskova just came back and she said well that's not happening again so the first set was quite close with collins breaking twice but in the end pliskova just played the better match pliskova said it was more about like staying positive staying in there i knew i'm going to have some chances which i did so she really this time she i guess she learned from her mistakes last time and she just went for the win so next up for pliskova's fellow czech and friend muchova um the 25th seed in this tournament yeah and then 
I think one of the, these last two are kind of the most notable WTA upsets. So first it was uh, Su, uh, uh, <laughs> Suwe Shea defeating Bianca Andr- oh, sorry Shea Suwe defeating Bianca Andreescu, the eighth seed, six three six two. So in the first round, she defeated Svetlana Parankova, who reached the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open this year. But I mean, Shea Suwe really brings it at these, you know grand slam levels and against these top players she loves to play for the occasion we've talked about this before she defeated simona Halep a few years ago at wimbledon and we all remember that so that was um an amazing match so you know this was light work for shay suway it looked like bianca has been gone for a long time so you know we didn't really know what to expect for her a lot of question marks she played a third uh, three setter in the first round against an opponent who she would otherwise probably easily beat um, but nevertheless, amazing tennis from uh, Shea Suwei, and she will be playing Sara Arani in the third round, who defeated Venus Williams in that match that we talked about last time. And then finally, we have the big match, Kaya Kanepi defeating Sophia Kennan, 6-3-6-2. So Kanepi has been on absolute fire these past two weeks. She upset... Mutrova, Sabalenka, and Alexandrova en route to the Melbourne 2 final. And with this win against the defending champ, she proved her success wasn't just a fluke. And as this was one of Shravia's tiebreakers, we discussed that Kennan had been feeling some pressure in the first round, so it definitely got the best of her. And with that, that combination of like the pressure and the stress she was feeling, added to the momentum that Kaya had going into this match, it really just it got the best of the um, defending champion. And then Kenan said later in her press conference, I know I couldn't really handle the pressure. I'm not obviously used to this, so I just got to figure out how to play at that level that I played at. Because like today and those matches, it just hasn't been there. So definitely, like we said, it has to do with the pressure, but I mean, the fact that Kanepi won should be discounted just to say that Kenan was playing badly because Kanepi has beaten other people that were higher seeds than her in tournaments very recently. Yeah, I also think this is the first time Sophia Kenan has ever had to defend a Grand Slam title like this. Um, so it's totally understandable why she would be facing that pressure. And I think, you know, as she said, it's her first time ever, you know, being in this situation. So it makes sense. She was definitely really emotional in her press conference, which was hard to see. But, I mean, she reached two Grand Slam finals last year, won one of them. You know, she's definitely, you know, that definitely wasn't a fluke. I think that maybe the next step for her is going to be learning how to handle that pressure. And honestly, we've seen this with, like, Dennis Shapovalov and Iga Swiatek, how um, beneficial it's been to have a sports psychologist with you. So maybe that could be something that Sophia Kennan could you know, explore. But I just think that, you know, it's total. it makes sense why she felt this way going into the Australian Open, um, because it, it, it's definitely a, a new situation. Um, but I wouldn't discount her at all from making strides at more slams uh, later on. So as we do in each episode, now we're going to go over some of our tiebreakers. Um, we have picked a total of three ATP tiebreakers and three WTA tiebreakers. So I'm going to first talk about uh, my WTA tiebreaker, which is Jessica Pagula versus Christina Mladenovic. So these are two of those dark horses um, in that uh, Svitolina section of the draw. And both of these players have like 
silently snuck through and could really make it far. So Pegula upset Azarenka in the first round. Mladenovic upset Sakari in the first round. Um, but in terms of who I'm going to pick as the winner, I'm going to go with Jessica Pegula because not only has she been playing well over the past couple of weeks, but um, she was also showing um, signs of that uh, towards the end of the last season, particularly during the New York swing at the Western and Southern Open and um, at the U.S. Open. So she's been doing pretty well for the past few months, and she is also someone who rises to the occasion. And then for my WTA picks, I have first Belinda Bencic, the 11th seed, versus Elise Mertens, the 18th seed. And I'm going to give it to Elise because Bencic really hasn't been at the top of her game in a while. And Elise has had a lot of success on tour recently. I mean, just last week, she won the Melbourne 2 um, tournament, being the only person to beat Kanepi within these past two weeks. And... Also, um, at the end of last year, she had that hard court swing, a lot of success there too. And then next up, we have Anja Bord, the 27th seed, versus Naomi Osaka, the third. I'm mostly picking this one because they are two of our favorite players right now on the WTA side. And Ons has gone past her last two opponents pretty handedly. Naomi is, I'm giving it to Naomi because she's just the better player right now. But I expect Jabour to put up a fight because she's been playing, like, pretty consistently recently. For the ATP tiebreakers now, the first one I'm picking is Stefano Sitsipas versus Michael Yimer. So if you haven't heard of Yimer, he's a young Swedish player. He's also part of, like, the next gen. He just upset Hubert Hurkacz in the first round and then followed that up with the win over Carlos Alcaraz. So definitely some great wins there. Um... I have a lot of faith that Tsitsipas is going to win this one, but kind of I wanted to highlight this match because it's so great that um, Yimer has reached the third round of a major and is playing this brand of tennis and upset two high quality opponents. Um, so I do think that there it's going to be you know uh, a challenge, maybe kind of like the vibe that we had going in with Kokonakas versus Tsitsipas, someone who pretty confident that Stefanos is going to end up beating, but there definitely could be some interesting action there. Um, and then for my second ATP tiebreaker, I've picked uh, Matteo Berrettini versus Karin Kachanov. So both of these guys have been playing pretty well recently. Uh, Kachanov made the semifinals of the Great Ocean Road Open before he fell to Yannick Sinner in a pretty tough match. And the winner of this match would likely face uh, Stefano Tsitsipas in the round of 16. So this is a stacked section of the draw. I believe this is like the Nadal section. Um... But, you know, I'm going to give the edge to Berrettini. <laughs> Big surprise there. Uh, <laughs> but because he's had some really good wins the past couple of weeks, um, you know, as Josefina mentioned, I am kind of nervous for him. I hope that he can pull through, but I think it's better to have faith in your pl- in your favorite player, even if they lose, rather than not have faith in them and then they end up winning. That's just my, that's my take on it. Okay, but see, if we're talking about the Warrenka thing, that had nothing to do with me. That was all that cat. That decided. (laughs) So, Josephina, do not look at the cat prediction for the Berrettini Kachanov match, please. And apparently, there's one for the Kyrgios TM match. I just, I shut it down so quick. I said, I'm not looking at this one right now. Okay, so for my ATP tiebreaker, I have Fognini versus Deminor. 
And like I talked about before when talking about um, Nadal's quarter, Alex de Menor is coming off of two straight set wins against um, against um, I forgot. <laughs> but either way, he can obviously tennis Sandgren, tennis, tennis Sandgren, Sandgren, and and someone else, someone else. Uh, anyways, Alex de Menor is coming off of two straight set wins. So, obviously, he can handle that Grand Slam pressure, and we've seen him do well in Grand Slams before, and we're seeing it again. He also has that recent title in Antalya, which was just a few weeks ago, actually, so definitely that adds confidence and momentum. But Fognini, on the other hand, has had some early exits recently, but just as many successful matches, so he's kind of on and off here and there. But looking at just this tournament, Fognini is coming off of a five-set match. So I'm going to give it to Demon just because, like we've seen that happen to Fushkovitz, who said he was exhausted. I mean, five-set no, five matches are no joke. So that definitely gives Demon an edge going into this match. So those are our thoughts on round two and looking ahead to round three. Uh, we've had quite the busy day with recording during the school day, a little bit after the school day, um, but are happy to have put this episode together by the time that you're listening to this. And um, we're excited to get to watch some tennis this week because Josefina and I actually have a super long weekend. We have pretty much a week off from school. Um, so definitely some time for us to catch up on tennis. Well, we are caught up on tennis, but actually get to watch more of the live matches since they're so late at night and through the night um for our time zone so this will definitely be a tennis watching long weekend thank you so much for joining us and that is game set and match for today if you like this episode please let us know and stay tuned for more we'll be providing you all the coverage of the australian open and of course all the tea on tour Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released on Saturday where we will recap the third round of the Australian Open and look towards the round of 16. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shrapia. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Ben and Shravi's name is Harry. See you next time.